Hello friends, welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to be doing a Q&A style episode where I catch up with you on a few things. I posted an Instagram story sticker just basically asking for questions for this episode and I answered a few of them on Instagram already but there were quite a few that I didn't get to and I also wanted to be able to go into a little bit more detail with some of the questions because these episodes are a really good way to determine what topics maybe warrant a little bit more of a conversation around and so you can leave your thoughts in the feature that Spotify now has it's like a Q&A feature in this episode if there's anything you want me to get into in more detail but with that said I'm just going to go ahead and open up the questions. One of the things that came up pretty often in the Q&A was just questions about living in Vancouver, how we find it, what my favorite spots are, what I like to do in the city, why I like living here. There were quite a few questions in that realm, so I'll kind of start there and address them all at once. So just a little bit of backstory. I grew up in Ontario, small town in Ontario, just outside of Toronto, and then Jamie, my partner, grew up in England. We met in Ontario at a summer camp and then we moved out here together in late 2019. So this fall, it will have been four years of living in Vancouver. Now, neither of us really had spent a lot of time here before we moved, but we both sort of had separate from our relationship together prior to even meeting, had a desire to live out here. I feel like it's a pretty common thing for people in Ontario to live out here for a little while. Some people move out permanently. Some people come out for a few years and just experience a completely different way of life, a completely different lifestyle. It definitely, for me, having grown up in Ontario, felt very, very different at first and still does feel very different in some ways that are really good and some ways that are difficult for me. But I would say ultimately, my favorite thing about living here is just the beauty of it, the outdoor opportunities that you have kind of constantly, basically anything that you could think of, whether that's biking, hiking, just walking, swimming, skiing, etc. Those things are basically where we live. We live on the North Shore of Vancouver, so we're even closer to the mountains and we have beaches. That is undeniably life improving for both of us and it's something that we really really love and value about living here and I would say as for pros and cons that for us is probably the number one on our list. Both me and Jamie have felt a really big impact on our mental health, a positive impact being so close to nature, having so many opportunities to try different things. It sort of feels like not having grown up here Even having been here for four years, we're only just scratching the surface and there's always more to do, which at times can be a bit overwhelming because Jamie and I often joke that sometimes you feel guilty for wanting to stay in or wanting to stay at home, especially when it's a nice day out. So just having that many opportunities for those types of activities. And the other thing I really love about living here is that I feel like even if you are oriented towards more city kind of activities there is so much that you can explore in the different neighborhoods of Vancouver the different areas and there's just so much to it that I feel like we haven't even started scratching the surface and then the kind of downside someone asked like pros and cons for me the biggest con 
is the cost of living. I feel like I don't need to get into that because you've probably heard or seen how expensive specifically housing is in Vancouver. And for us, we're kind of at a point where we are needing to start thinking about, is this the most, does this make the most sense long-term specifically from a financial perspective? And is this a place that we're going to be able to set ourselves up in again long-term and with a future family, for instance. And so that's been really weighing on me, I would say, in the last six months is just thinking about, you know, is this where we want to be long-term? Because from a lot of perspectives, it very much is. And then, you know, the other con for me personally is it's very far from my family and I'm really close with my family, with my siblings and my parents. And so I do find not having that proximity to be quite challenging. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about, having a lot of conversations. So those for me would be the two cons. And then besides that, I think for us personally, we love living here. And if my family were here, I would probably never leave. This kind of topic is a good segue into another question in a similar realm to what I was just talking about, about living away from home, which is advice for those moving away from their hometown. And honestly, I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of how do people who live away from their family, if they are close with their family and they find that to be challenging, how do they navigate those feelings? I feel like for me, the most predominant feeling is guilt and Also, there's a feeling that you're missing out on people's lives. My whole family right now lives in the place where I grew up and I'm the only one not there right now. And so there's this feeling of like you're missing out and it's almost like every time you reconnect with your family, like you've missed out on a big chunk of interactions. And I have a younger brother who's significantly younger than me. And I remember when he was kind of growing up, I lived away from home for university as well. And I just remember coming home and every time I came home, he would have kind of grown up in a certain way. And I found that really hard because it was like I was missing big chapters of his life. And, you know, being so close with my siblings growing up, I do find that to be quite challenging. And so anyways, I've just been thinking like, How do people navigate these feelings? And ultimately, I think that when you make that decision to leave, to go somewhere new, I think it's a really empowering decision. And I've never, ever regretted getting out of my environment, trying a new, trying something new, trying living somewhere new. I've tried plenty of different places and exposing myself to different opportunities and different people and different perspectives. I think that that is such a wonderful opportunity if you are able to do that and you want to do it. I think that that is something that can be so enriching. But I do think that, you know, if you are feeling that sense of sadness of leaving, I've thought a lot about how can I alleviate this sadness, but I really don't think that there is a solution, at least not for me. It's that I accept that for the time that I'm living where I am, it's going to be, that's going to be there. And I don't want to try to suppress it because the sadness that I feel is a good indicator that I really care about these people. And I wouldn't want to 
suppress that feeling, but I would just want to be gentle with it and know that there's going to be maybe a gap, at least in the beginning, because, you know, if you're very comfortable in your hometown and that's what you're used to and that's what you're familiar with and you're going into a completely new environment, I think I certainly have romanticized that idea in my head a lot in the past, but I've seen fewer people talk about kind of the flip side, which is the loneliness, especially if you're moving to a place where you don't know anyone, which again, I've been in that, I've been in that situation before. And although it was such a good learning opportunity and I never regret those decisions, there is the acceptance in the beginning that it can be challenging to start over. It can be challenging to be in a new environment, to be in an unfamiliar environment, to not know anyone, to not have that sense of community. Now, I would never say that to stop anyone from making those changes because I would say that where I've come to with a lot of my realizations about myself and my life choices are because I put myself in a different environment to be able to look at things a bit differently But at the same time, just like anything, it's a nuanced conversation. And yeah, I think if you are feeling called to move away and make a change, I think that's actually really, really exciting. But just be gentle with yourself. Okay, a quick one. This person said, how old are you? I am 27 and I'll be turning 28 this September. I got quite a few questions about career and work and social media and timelines with respect to how long it took me to become fully self-employed and how did I build up the confidence. So I'll kind of get into those questions now. Someone said, how long did it take you to leave nine to five and be brave enough to do your own thing? So the timeline kind of went like this and I maybe sort of, I've shared this a few times on social media and I'm not sure if I've gotten the exact exact months correct every single time so if you've seen something slightly different somewhere else I apologize but roughly April April or May of 2021 I decided pretty quickly that I was going to quit my then full-time job and I believe it was around May June that I told my boss that I was lucky enough to have a really really open-minded boss because I had always been pretty forthright with the fact that I had the goal of becoming self-employed, of trying my own thing. And so he kind of knew that that was a possibility. And he actually suggested that maybe I go down to part-time hours as I was ramping up my own thing because he had experienced what it was like to start your own business and become self-employed and he kind of was like it might not be a bad idea both for the company and your role as well as your own thing to just make this a slow transition if you're willing to. The company that I was working for at the time was a startup and I was one of the first people hired so I did have quite a involved role at that company and I was willing to work with the CEO, my boss, to basically make sure that everything was in a good place before I left. And that made me feel really comfortable too because I don't really like to pull the rug out from people, especially since it wasn't on bad terms that I was leaving. It wasn't necessarily like from a place of 
bad blood or anything at all. It was more just, I feel like if I don't ever make this change, I'm never going to do it. And I'm only going to become more and more comfortable in this job, both financially and otherwise. So it kind of felt like that was the time. And what I'll say, and I've said this in episodes before, I believe I've probably talked about this journey in more detail, but when I quit my very first corporate job out of university, I had no plan, but I knew I had this like feeling that that wasn't really my path. That kind of nine to five lifestyle at that time just didn't feel where I wanted to be. However, at that time, I didn't know where I actually did want to be. I had no idea what I wanted to do next. And I made a pretty abrupt decision in that first job to leave. I didn't have any savings. I didn't have a plan. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think some people thrive making those decisions and then just figuring it out. But it actually created a lot of stress and anxiety for me, both kind of immediately following that decision and then further down the line when I was like, okay, I'm still in the same position. It's been a few months. I have no money and what am I going to do now? So it's kind of like when I quit that job, that first job, and that would have been in 2018, I it's almost like I expected that I would just have this divine intervention and I would just know what to do, but I really didn't lay the groundwork at all. I didn't save up. I kind of just was following that idea of jump and the net will follow and thinking, you know, I'm going to make this big risk and then everything else will fall into place. For me, that's not really how things worked. I don't regret doing it that way because as we know, I quit the first job at a university. I went and worked at a summer camp and that's where I met Jamie. So I wouldn't have done anything differently. However, when I was getting to that point again, where I was like, okay, I need a change. I need to do something for myself that's going to actually support me long term and we need to create a plan here. I was a little bit more methodical with how I went about leaving my recent job that I had before I became self-employed. So again, just to reiterate the timelines here, basically in 2018, I quit my first job, which was I was working for a management consulting firm and that was my first job that I had at a university. And then I just kind of wanted to do some traveling, do some sort of fun jobs. So I went and worked at a summer camp. Then I went to Thailand and taught English for a bit. And then when I was in Thailand, I ran out of money. And so I was like, okay, I need to find a job. And because I had all of this background in sort of the corporate world, I was like, okay, well, I may as well just try to get my foot back into that world in a way that still works for me. So I found a remote job that was as an operations manager for this startup. So I did that for two years. And as I was doing that job, I was saving up money because I knew I was going to make that same decision again eventually. I didn't know when, but again, I was saving up money. I was kind of planning things on the side. I was doing a few small things on the side, not much. And then when it came time, I was a little bit more prepared that time. So when this person asked, how did you build the confidence? I think I just had given myself more time to 
establish a sense of clarity around what I wanted my next step to be, how I wanted that to look. And it's really hard because when I quit my first job, I was in this mentality of like, don't make decisions based on money, just follow what's important to you. And I still would say that that's true, but at the same time, then being in a position where you're really strapped for money months later, which is what happened to me, and not having any plan, that for me felt very stressful and I didn't want to put myself in that situation again. So I knew that I was going to have to figure something out to keep myself afloat. Hopefully it would be something that I could do in my own way on my own schedule that didn't feel like a huge sacrifice to the type of lifestyle that I wanted. But the beauty of, I think, the way that I did it and the reason I'm grateful for the way that I did it is I gave myself time to create that vision and, you know, identify what it is that I wanted and get some clarity around that while I was still being supported by my job. So that was kind of my path. And what I will say is because I had quite a bit of savings, that made me feel a little bit more comfortable than quitting and not necessarily having my self-employment endeavors fully supporting me yet because I knew it would take time to build. And I would say from a timeline perspective, if I fully quit my job and was done with part-time hours and everything around August of 2021. So like I said, May, June was when I went down to kind of part-time and slowly started to withdraw from that company. And then August or September of that same year of 2021 is when I actually fully was not involved anymore. It still took me about a year to get to a point where I was like fully making what I had been making at my previous job. And in between those two times, my savings were supporting me, but also I was kind of taking on little part-time gigs here and there. So I was dog walking, I was doing a bit of freelancing, and I was, I did a short-term seasonal job, which was only like one or two days a week at a ski mountain. So then from an income perspective, 2022 August is when I have dropped all of those extra things. I'm 100% self-employed and who knows, maybe at some point in the future, I will go back to taking little part-time jobs here and there. I'm definitely open to whatever, but now I'm in a really solid place where I feel very comfortable with what I'm doing. I love my schedule. It's all on my own terms. I'm happy with the partners that I'm working with, and it feels really good. And let's just say that when I was in the position a couple of years ago of feeling really helpless and not knowing what I wanted to do, I could have just never pictured myself where I am now. But I've said this before that what really got me to this place, I feel, was obviously setting myself up, doing the work, etc. But it was a constant belief in myself. Even when that wasn't reflected externally, I had a vision. I had a very clear vision and now I'm living that. And that is a really cool thing to be able to experience. And it makes me so much more confident in being able to 
execute my vision in other areas of life and to be able to take things that in that very moment may feel a bit delusional and to be able to just say, hey, I'm open to seeing what can happen. I'm just going to move forward with this in a way that doesn't put me in an uncomfortable situation or an unsafe situation. And I'm just going to see what happens. And when I say it doesn't put me in an uncomfortable or unsafe situation, what I mean by that is I think my mentality even five years ago would have been like, just quit the job and just follow your dream or whatever it may be. And I've dialed back a bit on that mentality because again, I did that and I ended up feeling very anxious. I'm not saying that's how it goes for everyone, but having a sort of more balanced approach has really served me very well and So if I ever do have a vision that requires me to put myself in a situation where I'm just dropping everything and taking a massive risk and one that I end up feeling pretty unsafe doing, I can remember that that is not necessarily the only way that I need to do it. And there are so many different ways of doing things. If I have a goal, I can access a way of getting to that goal that still feels safe and supportive. Staying in line with the job and career category, someone asked what jobs I had before becoming self-employed. So I answered this on Instagram, but I only really answered like after university, which was like I said already management consultant and an operations manager. I just completely blanked there, but I actually wanted to share some of my other jobs because I think it's kind of fun to go through the full history. So my first job ever was working at a restaurant and I was just like a runner or a service assistant. And then eventually I did become a server only for like one summer though. And I really, really liked that job actually. I have really fond memories of that first job. And then my sister and I actually worked as housekeepers at a bed and breakfast together. We did that during the summers in our hometown. And then when I went to university, I needed money while I was in school. So I worked at a printing center, which I did not like. And also I went to the University of Ottawa in Ontario and it's a bilingual university. And I just remember being so embarrassed because my French is not very good or my conversational French isn't great. And if we're connected on social media, you probably know I'm actually taking French lessons right now to kind of brush up my French skills but I remember I don't know why I'm remembering this now but my interview was in French and I just remember being so embarrassed because I was like stumbling over my words and just trying to put together some really poor quality French and then the actual job itself was also in French or like half and half you had to be able to carry conversation in both and interestingly that was the most kind of like humiliating part of the job was just trying to speak French to customers and then them instantly being like, oh, we'll just switch to English or whatever. And yeah, that took a big hit on my confidence with my French skills, but hey, it was good practice. And, you know, it was nice to have a little part-time gig and I met some people through that. And then I took a university program where every other term you did a work placement so my first work placement was at the government I worked at Health Canada as like a junior business analyst was very very bored at that job but 
Then from there, I worked at a management consulting firm. And basically, that was my first job at a university. So I did my remaining three work placements with that management consulting firm. And then I was hired by them for when I graduated. And I didn't actually last after I graduated for very long. But then, like I said, I went on to work at a summer camp and work at, oh, as a an English teacher in Thailand. And then I did that gig at the startup as an operations manager for two years. And now here we are. Also, just as I'm saying this, I remembered that I forgot one, which was after I worked at the summer camp, I briefly worked at a cafe. And this was like the most embarrassing thing of my life. It's the only time where I was actually like borderline fired. I had one shift at this cafe or maybe two. And I honestly thought I was doing a great job. I had never worked in a cafe before, but I thought I was doing a great job. But at the same time, I had this like sick feeling every time I went into work that like that's not where I was supposed to be. I can't describe it. It was right before I decided to go to Thailand, which was like a pretty transformational experience. So it was almost like a gut feeling of like, this isn't right. This isn't right. But anyways, I remember one day I was going to go into my shift at the cafe. And this is the only time I've ever done something like this. I've never like quit. I've never or I've never quit like on the spot. And basically, I was going to go into my third shift and I got an email from the manager who was like, hey, we want to talk to you about your performance or something like that. And this was like literally during this was about to be a training shift. And I was like, what do you mean performance? Like, I, I'm just learning. And I don't know, something clicked in me. And then I was just like, I'm not going. I'm not going into this shift. I'm not going to be humiliated. I'm not going to like deal with this, whatever this like weirdness is which in hindsight is probably very avoidant of me, but I just sent her back an email and was like, listen, I don't think this is a good fit. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye. And the other like really humiliating part of it was like, they were so okay with me quitting. Like they were like, okay, well, thank you so much. Like it's almost like they were grateful for me to quit. So that was a fun little blip that I try to erase from my memory because for some reason I found that very embarrassing, but yeah, that was also in there too. There were quite a few questions about social media and how I find inspiration and any tips for getting started in social media and stuff along those lines. Now, what I will say is I have a full episode on this. I believe it's called Social Media Field Notes or something like that. Honestly, once I record an episode, I completely forget what I say, so I don't really know or I don't remember what I said in that episode, but where I'm at with my career in social media is, first of all, if you're interested in any way, I would say go for it. I have found it to be a very rewarding, very fun, creative lifestyle that has allowed me to have a lot more freedom, a lot more flexibility and control over my schedule. And it's something that I could see myself doing even alongside something else if I ever wanted to, but it's a really good way of expressing yourself and if you have that desire I think go for it and I wouldn't consider myself to be highly highly strategic or to have like specific tips when it comes to social media but with that said I do have a vision of what my career in social media means to me what it affords me 
And I kind of look at it that way. And then I build it around that. So for me, when I was really in the thick of like hating my job, not knowing what I wanted to do, I created a vision of like, okay, what do I want my life to look like? And then through trial and error, I discovered that a career in social media could actually fit in well with my vision of being more creative, having more flexibility, and all of those things that I said. But then what I found in the beginning was some of these experiences that I was struggling with in the corporate world, you could find that in social media as well. Now, what I mean by that is this pressure to be overly productive, this pressure to be so curated and to do things in a certain way and the top 10 tips for social media and da, da, da. I found that to be a type of energy that I resisted in the corporate world that I felt like I needed to kind of cleanse myself of. And so when I started to experience that in social media with this bombarding of like how you need to do it to get it right, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try to do it in the way that I feel capable of in the way that I want to and in the way that I can see myself doing long term because when I was first starting off and I was like I'm going to follow all of these tips and strategies I ended up getting very overwhelmed very quick and I also started to resent creating content in general. My hypothesis and my theory when it comes to social media is first of all, we don't know what the future of that will look like, so who's to say? But I think that just from what I've observed and what I've personally experienced, there is space for so many different types of people on social media to be successful. And what that means is there is space for people who are extremely curated, who love getting everything down to a science, who are perfectionists with their lighting and their angles and their shots and their thumbnails and their SEO. But there is also space, and you can see this on TikTok, you can see this on different social media platforms, for people who are not like that at all, and who are not curating things in such a way. I was going to say lazy, but I don't want to use that word. I'm describing myself in this example, because I felt like when I first started on social media, I needed to get all of those things right, and it just felt like so much effort towards something that I didn't really feel was my thing. And so I tried to find my way of creating on social media that felt very authentic to me. And it's taken me a bit of time to find that. And I'm still refining it, always evolving what that looks like. But I think my advice is always going to be if you actually, A, want to just start posting for fun, or B, you actually want to build a career, Do it in a way that actually brings you joy, that you actually enjoy creating, and that you feel is sustainable, at least for where you are right now. So for some people, that's going to look extremely different. For what I'm able to produce is going to be different from what the next person is going to be able to produce. But every point that you're at, every person's ability is the right ability, and Your way of expressing is the right way of expressing and there's going to be a community of people who will resonate with that and I've just tried to remind myself of that and I almost have this mentality that no matter what you're saying, no matter what you're doing, provided that it's not hurting someone, there are people that are almost waiting to hear that and there is a community that wants to hear that and 
if you feel a calling to put that out there, then the odds are that there's a community waiting to hear those things and waiting to consume your content. I went into a lot more detail with some specific things that I've I've come up with over the years of posting on social media, provided I'm still very early in this career. It's really just learnings that I've had. But I think if I were starting, I would literally just try to create as little friction with your content creation and your life and your lifestyle. That's my advice because the minute I add a huge task onto my life, I dread it. If that's working out or eating healthy or whatever it may be, the minute I make it so big and complex, that is when I start to check out and I'm not going to approach that task. So when I say creating as little friction with my lifestyle, that's why for me, I've gotten to a point with content creation where it's mostly vlogging simply because I'm doing those things anyways. I may as well set up a camera and just document that and see what happens. And that's pretty much my attitude with everything I put into the world is like, let's just see what happens. And I've had a lot of success just not pre-judging myself and my content before actually seeing the reaction and just allowing it to perform in the way that it's going to, not taking it too personally when things don't perform that well, and not letting that stop me. When I have something that doesn't perform well or in the initial phases of putting yourself out there, if you're not receiving that feedback immediately or in the quantity that you want to, not letting that stop you if you really want to do it. The discomfort is inevitable, I feel. I feel like it's far more rare for people to just blow up and become overnight successes. And discomfort is not necessarily a bad thing to be able to actually reflect on, hey, how do I react when I post something and it doesn't perform well? That for me has been a really good learning lesson to not avoid that experience, to not that let that stop me from posting, but to just be like, oh, okay, obviously I put a lot of emphasis on external validation let's unpack so those would be the general ways that i approach social media i would say my biggest advice is to just start and like i said i find it really helpful to create content in a way that is not interfering with my life in a huge way that's just what works best for me that feels really sustainable and then from there i'm able to monitor and really experiment what's going well, what's performing well, and make decisions based on that in a way that still feels good and still feels authentic to what I actually want to create. So with that said, that brings us to the end of the episode for today. There are a few more questions that perhaps I'll answer in a part two or over on Instagram, so keep an eye out for that. But I do hope that you enjoyed this format. I do find that these themes come up a lot, both in my own content that I create. I love talking about them as well as in a lot of the questions that I receive on social media about my journey, my career path, etc. So I do have a few other episodes that I've gone into a little bit more depth, but if you have any follow-up questions to anything I shared and you're listening on Spotify, then feel free to go ahead and use that Q&A feature. Otherwise, I will wish you a good rest of your week and I will see you in our next episode.